Good day, this is the Trend Podcast. Welcome to the Trendy Place. And we are here to bring you content from all across the spectrum that is here to delight, excite, and also educate you at the same time. We are here for a place of dialogue, no more and no less. Any views by our guests are views of theirs alone and not those of New York Trend Media, our parent company. All right, so we have a great guest for you today, folks. Resma Manicum. He is the author of not only the New York Times bestseller, My Grandmother's Hands, but The Quaking of America, an embodied guide to navigating our nation's upheaval and racial reckoning. Now, if that doesn't hit you down the core in your soul, I don't know what will. Uh, but if you know anything about having grandmas cooking, this book is just like that. It's oh, really for the soul. It really gets you into an actual plan. And what we're going to talk about today is not only the book, but January 6th, uh, maybe some a little bit about the November elections and just going forward where we are as a society that when I was learning in college is pluralistic and wants to be pluralistic. Right. That means not only do we accept uh, every uh, things about each other, but we also are not afraid to confront things as well. And so that's going to be the story for today. Resmo, what's up, man? How you doing? Not too bad, brother. Hey, man, th- th- that thing you said at the beginning about this is like grandma's cooking. I um, there's no higher compliment for me. Like like when mm-hmm. when people find my work to be helpful and nourishing, um, that's everything for me. Especially especially black bodies, right? Because right. there's so much in the field that leaves us anemic, right? In terms of nourishment, and so for you to mm-hmm. say that, man, I just that 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 hit me. I just really appreciate that. Thank you for that. Thank of you course, that. of course. No, we appreciate having you on. Obviously. You know, uh, just a little background about us. The trend has been around in New York for almost 32 years now. Uh, started off as a newspaper, uh, the second female black-owned newspaper in New York oh, history. Uh, only two since the entire inception of the state. Uh, and uh, it's continued on as not only a uh, media branch or media company, but now we have this podcast we've had for two years. And as being not only uh, a descendant of the the this company, but also being someone who is a fan, uh, it's just been great to have guests like you on to talk mm-hmm. about these things. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why I was so interested when I was reading this book is that you remind me of intellectuals that I had read when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, our audience knows I went to Princeton University. I was very close with uh, Professor Eddie Glaude and Cornell West mm-hmm. when I was there. Mm-hmm. And we often talked about writers like Michael Walzer or um, uh, mm-hmm. we also talked about Turner, Jackson yeah. Turner. We also talked about other people that have talked about what's called the American Jeremiah, yeah. which is yeah. if in the in the biblical sense, the great hope that America is a project. Right. Mm-hmm. And we look at America as a project. Mm-hmm. I think I think what's happening now and in light of January 6th and a lot of what you talk about in your book is that. People look at America as if it's just an absolute, right? Mm, like, mm. like there, there are these absolute standards and codes for yeah. everybody, and we yeah. don't consider the particularities of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what you hear? And first of all, anytime you mention me in the same breath as Brother Eddie Gloud and Cornel West, uh, it's a good day for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. The, the 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 idea that I am an extension and you and you have a sense of me as an extension of them and others is that I mean that's that's my whole makeup right is is to be like you know I read I read the same people right I was nurtured by el, uh, elder black men and women right I was uh, I was I was I was loved and chastised by people right and the scholarship that I have developed is a communal scholarship first and academic scholarship second and and um, a lot of us get enamored with uh, academic Right, we get enamored with the with the with the Harvards and the Princetons and uh, and uh, um, and the uh, the Academy, right? Yeah. And we forget that a lot of our moorings, a lot of our groundings, came from Grandma, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> came from Uncle, right? Came from came from us saying, from saying, yeah, I know you get ready to do that, boy, but come here a second, <laughs> right? right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And 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 that's a communal scholarship that I think a lot of times. We're willing to give over in order to attain the academic P 
peace. There's nothing wrong with academia, but if it's the only standard that you're moored in, it it it, it will give you a sense of um of uh uh, uh what's the word? It's uh fleetingness. It's a fleetingness yes. to it, right? Especially for black bodies. A lot of people don't understand that black bodies in academia get chewed up. Right. They get they like they, like the things that happen. My mom's a Ph.D. And 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 the the amount of chewing that academia does on her um, is brutal. Um, and so this idea of America being a project, I think, is so important is because many of us think that it's finished baking. Right. You know, how when you look in the oven, you say, oh, the, oh that cake is golden brown now. It's ready. That's many of us are our concepts of of America. Right. right it's finished right. baking. It's time to right. pull it out and just write and eat. Mm-hmm. And the idea that it is actually a project that it that the baking never stops. Right. And that the, and, and that's and it, you have to pull it out and tend to it. Right. You have to actually like taste it. You have to actually look at it. You got to you got to take a toothpick and put it in the middle and see if it's still soft. Like we don't think about America like that. We just look at America and, and, and the cracks in that under in that idea that is finished baking has been showing it's at least to black people since we got to this place. But it's now it's starting to show to other people, right? And now it's starting to show the white bodies, right? They're starting to understand it. And let me say this. They're starting to understand this individually, not collectively. Okay. Yeah. So when you say individually, not collectively, where where do you get that data from? Is it from anecdotes, like from your friends, people you know? Yeah. yeah and and what, yeah. what is stopping? What is stopping the collective movement? Because I think, you know, a lot of times when in certain communities, things go viral, maybe more, more, more quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it, you're, you're kind of saying that in the white community or in the, in the non-black community that um, people are starting to uh, maybe do the individual work to understand, yeah. maybe some of the anti-racist work, but right. as a as a culture, maybe um, yeah. there hasn't been a shift. Right. When you when you look like just to take what you said around the idea of America being a project, when you look when you look when you look across the landscape, people have this sense that um, that what we see is episodes. Right. So January 6th was an episode. So George Floyd was an episode. So Breonna Taylor was an episode. Mm -hmm. Emmett Till was an episode. Jim Mm -hmm. Crow was an episode. Enslavement was an episode. Land theft was an like we we have people have a tendency to conceptually think about these as blips and not structure. If you're going to deal with structure, you must de- you must create a culture. There is a culture, a structural culture that 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 we're that we're swimming in right now, right? right that right. your ideas of okay, my niceness or my kindness is enough to contend with the 400 years of brutality that has been heaped on black bodies, the 500 years of land theft that has been heaped on the indigenous bodies, right? You cannot deal with that by individual strategy. You must develop culture, a living, and what I say in the book is creating a living, embodied, anti-racist culture that does not exist among white bodies at all. They don't have a culture. They don't have a culture that is predicated on a living, embodied, anti-racist culture by which they're going to die in, raise children in, and bury people in. Mm. And what if, what about the people uh, who might be opposed to what you're saying and say, well, we don't really feel like doing that work? Right. Like, what? Why, why should we have to I'll put it in these terms. I'll play devil's advocate. Uh, pretend I am a Tucker Carlson or something like that. Right. <laughs> and, and, I, and I respond to you and I say, well, of course, I'm not racist. Right. But these extra efforts that you're asking for, what are the terms? What am I sacrificing? Right. When does anti-racism, does anti-racism ever become uh, what they call, uh, what is it, uh, counter-racism, right? Um, is it possible that maybe we should just let it all go, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. what I kind of hear from that side is that it's not that white pundits or people in the intelligentsia are saying, 
no, I'm going to respond to that with racism. A lot of times they respond to that with just, why don't we all just let it all go and act like it's not happening? Exactly right. So, so I, I love that you use the word sacrificing because, because your participation. So, so, so Tucker, <laughs> so Tucker, your participation right now in the structure as it currently exists, exists is a sacrificing thing. You're sacrificing something right now. You just don't understand the cost of what you're sacrificing. Part of what okay. you're sacrificing right now is your humanity by by actually uh, by actually benefiting and being advantaged by a system that's predicated on on the free labor and the rape and land the rape of black people and the land theft of indigenous people. Right. So you're sacrificing right now your children. Hmm. You're sacrificing in this moment by your unwillingness or inability to develop a living embodied anti-racist culture, you're, you're sacrificing your children's 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 the cost of it. They will pay, they will have to pay the cost of it because this world is no longer predicated on just the white body deeming and has deemed itself the supreme standard of humanness. It's no longer, people are, people are actually beginning to push back on the notion that the white body is the standard of humanness and that it is the only human and everything else is a deviant species. Mm. You are sacrificing right now, but because in this moment you're able to eat good, you're able to be away from the Negroes and the savages, you're able to be in your gated community, you don't realize that at some point your children are going to have to pay the cost, and they will, Um, but you won't be around because your selfish notions are about you in the immediate time we have right now so that's how i would talk to you about that car uh tucker <laughs> right all right well i'll take my tucker hat off for a second but but okay. <laughs> but but what about so what would you say about maybe because it also seems like you may be alluding to a wealth issue too like you know that people mm-hmm. are enjoying the splendors mm-hmm. and spoils of clearly a history that was steeped in otherism of people Right. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. What, a, mm-hmm. what what would you say about a wealthy African-American? I mean, what if you have a wealthy African-American mm-hmm. who uh, mm-hmm. went to private school, went in white communities, um, mm-hmm. uh, maybe went to an Ivy League school, works on Wall Street. And mm-hmm. um, and their point to you is that, well, look at me. Um, if I can mm-hmm. make it, can, can okay. we all make it? Right. I mean, nothing stopped me. Mm-hmm. So why, 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 yeah. why the complaint yeah. now? Right. Because what, what yeah, I've heard, I, what I've heard friends of mine say that we're in those situations mm-hmm. is, you know, no one from the colonial era is alive now. So why are we redressing it? So I've heard my friends, I've actually heard not my friends, but my uncles mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. that. Right. I got, I got two uncles that are Trumpers. Right? Oh, okay. And That's interesting. They, yeah, 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 they, yeah, yeah, they out of their, nah. anyway. <laughs> um, so, 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 so one of the things that I say is that, um, one of the reasons why we redress it now is because our concept of like what you said, that America is a finished product that's done breaking, it's done baking, that it is not a, um, that it is that that it is not a project that it continues right that one of the things that happens when you believe that it's finished is that you cut yourself off from not only the kind of inquiry that you need in order to make adjustments as you move around and as you do stuff right you just so, so the only thing that exists is what's happening right now in this moment right and there have always been African or Black people who have benefited more economically from uh, from the masses of Black people, True. right? The, the and so attempt. I'm not once again the talent attempt. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not so much concerned about your own come up, mm-hmm. okay. right? Uh, I'm not really concerned about um, about. Kanye's personal come up. Mm. 
I'm concerned. I'm con- I'm concerned about Kanye in terms of in terms of what he you know what I'm seeing you know the disease of white body supremacy and how he has fawned over it mm-hmm. and how he has seen it as a useful tool for his own personal aggrandizement. I, I, I'm concerned about I'm concerned about what I see on TV. I'm concerned about his anti-blackness. Mm-hmm. I am less concerned about his own um, uh, personal, like uh, how he was able to make it. When I look at the majority in the mass of black people, I can't pick one body or one one actor or one rapper or one singer out and say, well, he made it. Why can't I make it? Well, one of the reasons why I can't make it is because I'm not just dealing with just the economic pieces. And let me say one thing about, let me say one more quick thing. I am in contact with a lot of people who are uh, famous musicians, famous actors, famous writers, all that, famous academics, mm-hmm. right? And the amount of withering and weathering that they get in their chosen fields looks like the same. There's just a different fractal, Mm -hmm. right? So just because you have money doesn't mean you are not being weathered by racism and white body supremacy and pigmentocracy. It just means you have other things available to help shield you from some of the pieces, but the weathering still happens. And that's one of the things when I'm talking to people who have quote unquote made it, especially black, brown, and indigenous people, one of the things I, I, I ask them about is not compare themselves to me, but compare themselves to the realm that they're involved in, and are they at the bottom or the top of that realm, right? And (laughs) you see what I mean? Don't compare yourself to my broke ass, right? Compare yourself to the the white folks, and what you will see is that the pegmatocracy, even in that structure, is still at play. I got you. It's like when... um... Uh, Reginald Lewis, if you know Reginald Lewis, the first black billionaire, when uh-huh. he said, "Why should white guys have right. all the fun?" Right in his book, right. Yes, um, right. My father, my father right. gave me right. that book right. when I was in seventh or sixth grade, uh, and he said, right. "You know, my hope is for you to climb this mountain, not because I want you to climb this mountain and, and shout out, uh, you know, I am the liberation of all peoples, but I want you to climb this mountain right. because if we have enough people on this mountain that look like." Like you, like like myself, like like Reginald Lewis, then we can finally exhale, right? My father was always right, talking about. Even right. though my father, um, you know, he voted for George Bush, uh, he was uh, very much a radical in the seventies. One of those radicals in the seventies who becomes a conservative in the nineties, uh, kind of yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he still believed mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, because he felt it. It's just like what you're saying. He felt it when he was on Wall Street mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you know there is this bar. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a bar mm-hmm. for 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 you as mm-hmm. um, a, a person mm-hmm. of color. We'll let you get in there. We'll, mm-hmm. We we want to we want to. Mm-hmm. My dad used to say, "We want to run our dogs against your dogs. We want the we want a true Darwinistic right. society where there's competition mm-hmm. of the races, mm-hmm. right? We want the Germans, mm-hmm. we want the Scots, mm-hmm. we want the Slavs, we want all of that. Um, mm-hmm. But there's a mm-hmm. bar." And I, I think I think sometimes what I also see uh, on the liberal side is a condescension. I think sometimes what I see on a liberal mm-hmm. side is that and I see this at work where I work, um, you know, uh, in my mm-hmm. daily life. Uh, I'm a professor, but I'm also a high school teacher. And what I see is that someone some English teachers will be like, hey, let this black kid speak with bad grammar and let this black kid write an essay that has terrible syntax and diction because that's just naturally how he speaks, right? And we're going to go mm-hmm. and we're going to let all these black kids not think about um, what is going to make them actually successful so that we can all compete against each other. There's going to be a condescending nature to it. And the way that I see this relating to the thing in your book is that for years, look at what James Baldwin said. Um, about, uh, you could say white liberals or liberals in general, right? Is that the, something like January 6th happens and all they want to say is, let's compare this to the Black Lives Matter protests, right? And while there's, 
saying, oh, no, the Black Lives Matter protest has this justification, that justification. Sure. They're still making the comparison. Right. And they're mm-hmm. still putting mm-hmm. them up mm-hmm. as if they're equal. As as it, mm-hmm. and, and as mm-hmm. if like in mentality they're equal, as if in result they're equal, and while mm-hmm. both led to destruction of property, right? Only one, only mm-hmm. one, um, mm-hmm. was purposeful in that destruction, right? The Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter, who, the people mm-hmm. that ended up destroying uh, houses and towns and things like that, are have always been disavowed by the main people in the movement, right? But the main people mm-hmm. in the January sixth movement. And do not disavow mm-hmm. the violence. Hang Mike Pence, hang right, Mike Pence, right. kill Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. In fact, mm-hmm. Republican politicians and supporters of that movement mm-hmm. on TV are trying to make it to make you say, no, understand these people. Right? Right? Sure. Compassionate. Yeah. Be yeah. compassionate yeah. with these people. Right. So so right, right, I think right. I think one right. of the things right. that you address in the book and I'd like to talk to you about is this this vibe of like to- not talking the same language in our cultures. We don't. We don't. So, 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 so you just hit on something that you talked about that, that, that we talked about earlier in the conversation is this piece around and, and I'm going to bring it back around. Is this piece around understanding that one is a structural manifestation and one is a resistance to the structural manifestation? Yeah. yeah. Right. So what here's, here's what I mean by that. So, so. When you watch January 6th, so, so one of the things that started happening for me when I was watching January 6th, which is why I wrote the book, I was actually originally writing another mm-hmm. book. So I was in the middle of writing the sequel to my grandmother's hands. It was called Our Grandchildren's Souls. Okay. And it was going to be talking about legacy, right? right? And then I'm, I'm writing, I'm, I'm, I'm quite a way through the book, right? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm January 6th, I'm sitting there watching. Oh, okay. White folks are actually showing up. Oh, okay, that's this interesting, right? Okay. Oh, more white folks are showing up. Oh, okay. Oh, Trump had a Trump had a rally. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, there's a lot more white folks coming from this rally. Oh, they got AR-15s. <laughs> right. <laughs> On the, they got AR-15s on their right. back. Oh, oh, okay. Now I know because they got air. All these white folks is coming with AR-15s. I surely know that there's going to be some type of presence to make sure yeah. that nothing happens, yeah. right? Oh, no. All right. Well, we're gonna keep watching this. Oh my God. Okay. Here come the symbols of our feral past. Oh, there's the swastika. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. Here we go now. All right. Oh, there's the noose. Yep, here we go. Oh, here we go. Oh, chance of Jews will not replace us. Oh, here we go. All symbols of our feral past. And this is what I was saying earlier. That history is not this dead carcass. Mm. History lives and breathes and gives nurturance to the present. And so when you see those symbols of our feral past, Mm -hmm. And then you see that there's no, there's no repair and there's no pushback right. on it, right? Imagine, brother, and you don't have to imagine this, you don't, but but when I say it, you're gonna understand what I mean. If that had been six to ten thousand black folks or indigenous people mm-hmm. with AR-57s. AR-15s kicking in the door, going into the capital of the United States, pissing on walls and crapping on floors. I mean, disgusting stuff. And he, yeah, he, here's the thing that got me with that, bro. You had majority of white bodies beating the hell out of 141 police officers. And not one of them up their weapon. See, this, this, this is, this is when I talk about. So this, I have an organizing rubric by which I that's in the book, and that is is my writing in general. And it is that this next thing, if you don't understand this, everything else will confuse you about America. That we live 
in a society where the white body deems and has deemed itself the supreme standard by which all bodies' humanity shall be measured structurally and philosophically. If you, and if you are not housed in a white body, you are a deviant species, mm-hmm. structurally and philosophically, mm-hmm. right? And what you watch is that that notion and that idea has been in and around and woven through every institution so much so that when these police officers, when these police officers are in the presence of angry white people, they do not up their weapons. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, 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 it was, it was, um, I mean, I remember when it happened, um, I, I happened to be home that day watching it. And I just remember how kind of it, it didn't seem calm, but there was yeah. this kind of like calming effect it had nonchalance. Yeah, nonchalance that I saw. And, and when yeah. at first yeah. it was very much the media was like, well, it seems like a few people are at the Capitol. And then it was like it turns into a whole thing when there was just lots of violence and shouting and throwing things. But then later on, when they showed the actual smaller videos and personal videos of what they were saying to these officers, you know, like a black officer comes up and they call. It's like, you know, I've heard I've heard people on that side say it's not about race. It's not about race. If it's not about race, then why, when a black officer comes out, you're calling him the N word. You're you're spouting all these epithets at him. And you're and you're. That's right. That's right. Why does it have to seep to that level? I I understand. I understand. Look, I understand. The, the power of protest. I understand the power of revolution and all those things. And I understand that a lot of these all people that. honestly feel like they have been gypped by some election because they've been deluded by uh, a, an argument and someone that they truly believe in. And for that, I have sympathy mm-hmm. for them. You know, I, I grew up not only yeah. in the church, but I grew up in with Buddhist temples. Um, I believe in, in compassion, forgiveness, even for my enemy, right? Uh, like the Stoics say, you know, the best revenge is to not be like your enemy. You don't have to think like them. But what I will say is this, is that it's shocking that there was no escalation, right? I mean, they are, they, this mob, this mob of people is intent on breaking not only objects, but breaking people in their wake. If they weren't, That's right. we wouldn't have seen Josh Hawley run like he did. <laughs> Brother, let, let me say this to you. Do you realize that the only thing that stopped us from seeing mass hangs on TV was one black police yeah. officer? Yeah, I remember with the hearing that that understood that understood that 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 crowd had so much uh, rage towards the black body yeah. that they would follow him and not go in the other direction. Had they gone in the other direction, they would have run into Nancy Pelosi, into Pence, into all of those people, mm-hmm. and there would have been mass hangings. He sacrificed himself on TV. I mean, he he did. They, they, you you see what I mean? And so and so for me, you're you're better than me. I don't I don't have compassion for people who believe that it's all right. To hang other human beings. No, no, I, I, I just, right. I, and I'm not saying you right. do. I'm not. That's not right. what I'm saying. I'm simply saying, for me, when I look at the 4,500 lynchings that happened after Jim Crow and doing Jim mm. Crow, um, and they were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of. Now check this out. Good white people mm. that participate mm. in it. I don't I don't genuflect to having compassion when I see the murderous rage Mm. in their in their bodies Mm -hmm. showing up. That's not that's not a disagreement of opinion. Mm -hmm. That's not let's have a debate and then we can see where the where where the balls Mm -hmm. fall. Right. That's not that. And and I think sometimes as liberals and sometimes as progressives and sometimes as people who really believe in liberation. We think we're dealing with a a a, a uh, an energy that is a that can be reasoned with. with yeah. That is this is this is not in the when you're watching that that is not a negotiable energy right. that you're dealing right. with. You're dealing with an annihilation energy. Right. Right. They are not the same right. thing. And, and, and let me say this piece. Just this week, what did we find, brother? Some right wing lunatic 
who believed in QAnon and and that and that black people are the reason his poor white ass didn't achieve what right. you know what I mean that that person broke into Nancy Pelosi's yes. home and cracked her husband's skull right. and was waiting for her to come right. so he could kill her Here's the question that I have. If you watch January 6th and you see it as a serious thing, mm -hmm. why wouldn't you not have security? Yeah. Yeah, very odd. This is, you see yeah. what I mean? This is what happens to liberals. Mm -hmm. Liberals think <laughs> that these people are playing. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Or that they could be negotiated with, right? Or they, they could be talked. Or they could, they could be negotiated. These right. people are not playing. They are practicing. Right. Right. <laughs> right? These people have groups in which they practice this stuff. And you think you're going to get on TV and speak and say, we should, we should reach across the aisle. We should try and find common ground. Mm -hmm. We should, we should look at our brothers. Listen, this stuff that we're seeing now, so, so the most enduring organizing structure in this country is not the Constitution. The most enduring organize, organizing structure in this country is not the Declaration of Independence. It is not our mode of government. The most enduring organizing structure in this country is the plantation. And it organized white people's ideas around labor, organized white people's ideas around wealth, organized around white people's ideas around social uh, uh, relationships. Do you understand, man? People, whenever they talk about the plantation, people always talk about the enslavement of black people and the enslavement of Africans. I want people to look at the other side. How did the plantation organize white people? Because <laughs> it organized, like, like the economic structure of this country is to try and get as much free labor as you can and profit from that. That's the whole, that's one of the whole, or where did that come from? It came from 400 years of free labor. That organized white people's understanding on how you come up. The white bodies knew that I'll work for this white man who has dominion over my body right now, up until a point to where I can get enough money to buy one of them Negroes and have him work for free on, on free stolen land for as long as I can. That's to come up, buy it for free, get it for free, and then exploit. Right. And so that organized white people's understanding. So for you, black man, I'm saying you in particular, for you to say, you know what? That actually is not my understanding. My understanding is that I work hard, but I am also a stewardship for liberation for people. So I pay black people. I get paid as a black body. I don't undermine, right? That my, my ethos is around not how do I get something for free? And this is why a lot of white people and, 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 and white adjacent bodies keep talking about they don't want to pay taxes, right? The reason why they don't want to pay taxes is because of this notion of I need to get it for free. I don't want to pay in order to keep the roads open so I can get my products up and down. I shouldn't have to pay for that because my what has organized me is the idea that the way you make real wealth is to exploit others and get it for free first. Well, I definitely think that there is a there's a long kind of viral energy um, that's in the North and the South of this kind of, um, uh, culture of, um, how can I put this in, in, in the most accurate terms? When I was growing up and I was thinking of myself as a liberated person, a person who perhaps didn't have to 
think about racial terms when I'm going to places. It kept confronting me and finding me. Um, you know, I'd go over, I'd go at, where I went to high school. There's a country club that would not let uh, people of color in. And this country club uh, was the most popular country club of all the parents that went to the school. But yet these parents were trying to fight for scholarships for African-Americans to be in the school. They'd come to the basketball games. They'd come to the football games. They'd come to the cross-country meets. I was on the cross-country team. So they'd support us in that way. But when they would, but there was always, there's, there was always a core, a core, not maybe not even a, a core set of values, but a core place where yes. whites could frequent and they would be on a mountaintop. And when I teach yes, in the school where I teach, it's mostly black and brown students. I talk about this Ave called Fulton Ave. Fulton Ave is the delineation mm-hmm. point made by um, mm-hmm. Robert Moses, but also by uh, FDR when he was governor of New York. Mm-hmm. This Fulton Ave mm-hmm. is a delineation between a Hispanic and black neighborhood and a pretty much white neighborhood that's very wealthy. And mm-hmm. when you cross it, you can see the dichotomy. And the dichotomy mm-hmm. is so obvious that it really, I think, the point that some conservatives don't understand is that when they are arguing, they are arguing or talking from the place of a mountaintop. It, it, it may mm-hmm. not be it may exactly. not be the mountaintop that they notice, right? They may say, oh, I don't notice my whiteness. I don't notice my privilege or anything like that. But that is the thing that people that don't understand. And I think it exists in a way where um, it's the unseen, right, for them. It's it's yes, a thing because they're yeah. not having conversations it about happen. it. But there are there are well not just conversations. Yeah. There's not just conversations, bro. So so this is one of the reasons why I don't use the term white privilege anymore, mm-hmm. right? I say white advantage. I want to operationalize. It is not a privilege where I can use it or not right. use it. It is a, a distinct advantage in a structure that is predicated on the white body deeming itself the supreme standard of humanness. It is not a privilege to be in a white body. It is a distinct advantage off top to be in a white body before you come out the womb, right? right. And this idea, you said this piece around, you had these white people who who would fight for scholarship, who would do these particular things. And this is one of the things that I say to white liberals a lot, is that you think your niceness and your kindness is the same thing as liberatory practices. It's not the the same Mm -hmm. thing. I I want you to be nice to me. I want you to get the scholarships. Mm -hmm. I want you to, I want you to not spit in my soup. Mm -hmm. I want you not to call me the N-word. I want you to be kind and nice to me as a human Mm -hmm. being. That is not this. That's not liberation, right? Liberation would mean that you put your skin in the game to create a living, embodied, anti-racist culture, and that you're looking to tear this down because it will, at some point, not disadvantage me. It's already disadvantaging me, but it It will, will. and it is. You just, like you said, you just can't see it because your perspective has advantaged you, and you refuse to inquire into the advantage as a culture, not as individual, as a culture. You refuse to create a living, embodied, anti-racist culture, not niceness, not kindness. I am un. Your niceness and your kindness is fine and inadequate at the same right. time. And I think people forget that racism uh, exists subtly in a thin way as well as a thick way, right? We don't really need to always address the thick way, right? Someone called you an N-word, there's that's somebody right. in a white hood. That's right. But the thin that's right. issue, that's right. the subtle issue that's of right. it is that's the right. way where it's the most pernicious because many people don't right. believe in it, right? It's like magic. It's right. it, it, magic. Does magic have more power because you believe in it or when you don't believe in it, right? So let so so let me say this. If you, I, I will guarantee you this, without even, without even knowing, and, and I know I'm taking, uh, this is hyperbole of what I'm saying. I will guarantee that if somebody on January 6th went walking around towards all of those white people and said to them, 
Do you believe, just one question, just one question. Do you believe that you benefit, actually two questions. Do you believe you benefit from this structure Mm -hmm. simply for being in a white body? That's number one. Number two, do you believe that you are uh, uh, racist? I will guarantee you 98% of those people would have said, no, I'm not racist. Mm -hmm. I would guarantee you 90, because that, because what happens is, so so I believe that white body supremacy is traumatizing. Mm -hmm. It is a, it's trauma, Mm -hmm. right? It is, it it increases the stress load to an overwhelming uh, proportion to where the body acts as if it is stuck in a stress loop and a stress response. Mm. That's what we're dealing with, right? And so when you're talking, but trauma, time decontextualizes trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. Just a march of time decontextualizes it. So when you're talking, most white bodies don't realize that they are descended from other white bodies that were fleeing something. That fleeingness never got inquired into. And so by the time all of that brutality that 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 poor white bodies got from the hands of more elite white bodies economically. Remember, for a thousand years after the fall of the Roman Empire in the, uh, what we call the Middle Ages, kings and and uh, and and plagues and all of that stuff was happening. The brutalization of the of the poor white body was was vicious. Mm-hmm. Right. Then that body got on boats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, and, and came and met people like me and you and our ancestors and, and, and indigenous mm-hmm. people. Right. With without ever dealing with the fleeing and the trauma that happened to them. So by the time elite white bodies offered them the chance to be something other than just a, a serf or a peasant, mm-hmm. they could actually be white. A whole new mm-hmm. thing happened in the 1600s yeah. in Virginia law. Bacon's <laughs> right? Rebellion. Where they I'm said, sure you know about Bacon's Rebellion. Right after the, right after the Bacon Rebellion. Yeah. I talk about it in the right. book. The first time you start to see in Virginia law, white persons, at that moment, the white body became the exactly. standard of humanness. Right. And, that, and that's the British. That's the British. You got, I mean, it, it, it's so sick and toxic, but I mean, they were almost brilliant at it, at but dividing you, people based but off if that. You, that's right. But if you don't understand it, you think the problem is me. Right. right, right. <laughs> you think all of that rage you got is rage that is because I did something. No, fool. No, fool. All of that, all of that rage you got that you that that you're spitting into the camera and black people are this, and and Mexicans keep coming across the border. We gotta put Mexican, we gotta put brown babies in cages. And if they would like, and you think it's about me. No, that's just that's when the gun was pointed at the elite white body, they did this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and and you and and, and 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 so for me that's the framework that that only developing a cultural container with uh, white bodies with white bodies can begin to examine and interrogate mm-hmm. that until they do that all of this talk all of this stuff about DEI and teaching white folks glossary terms and trying to mm-hmm. you know trying to appeal to their better angels and 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 you know there is actually there's actually an energy around who, what I call pool draining energetics mm-hmm. right there's an energy in American in American life that is that white bodies have this reflexive piece that if if the, if something is about to happen and black and brown and indigenous bodies will also benefit from that thing white people will get rid of that thing they will they will they will get rid of it they will stop using it they will shut it down that is a real energy it it is and it and it goes through so when people say well we can talk with white people about this you don't understand how that that inner that energy is woven into it it ha- like like when black people started saying you know what my taxes are paying for those luxurious pools that you have in mostly white communities. Mm. I'd like to have my babies 
come over there and swim. And then the federal government under, uh, under was it Lyndon Johnson? No, F, well, I think it was Lyndon Johnson in the 60s. Was it Lyndon, Johnson? Lyndon Johnson in the 60s. Said, yeah, Lyndon Johnson said, you know what? Yeah, it's right. The federal, you know, we as a federal government are using black, brown, and indigenous people's tax dollars to pay for those exclusive pools you got. You're going to open that shit up. You're going to write. What did white folks do? They drain the pools. <laughs> they rather than having uh, having our babies in the pool with them, they drain and close these opulent pools and went to private pools. That energy is is always at play. And so for me, if we are not about, this is not, let's keep saying this, this is not about niceness and kindness. If white bodies as a collective are not begin, are, don't begin to in small little ways begin to get together and say with other bodies and say, I am going to be committed to ushering in a living embodied anti-racist culture with your white body for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Because we don't want to pass this piece down to our children's children's children. If they're not doing that, it's window dressing for me. Mm. Well, as we start to wrap up, I have two more questions for you. (laughs) And I think these are going to be maybe the the two questions that uh, maybe some people wouldn't want to ask, which is what would what what can what can the future look like in 10, 15 years if white people do take your advice, if, if a white person, um, and, and, and I don't want to just make it about race because sometimes I think it's really not just a white person, right? Because it's, 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 it's an empowered person. I, I truly believe that more than white people benefit from this power structure and that more than white people are also aware that there's a racistness to the power structure that they also benefit from. But for anybody who's going to read this book and be the, and create that society that that you're looking for, what what does that look like for them? And, and for a white person who maybe grows up with nothing but white people, a nothing but a white structure, and goes to all white institutions, how can that person feasibly make these changes? Okay, so let's take the first one. Um, this is this is why I, I'm gonna bring it back. This is why I keep saying I'm talking about structure. I'm not talking about individual white okay. people. What happened? What happened to my? What happened to me, brother? And what happened to us? And what happened to people that we were descended from did not happen to individual black bodies or indigenous bodies or or mm-hmm. do you understand what I mean? It did not. That that wasn't the play. Mm-hmm. It ha- the damage that was done happened to communities mm-hmm. of people. So only developing an individual response to a communal horror is inadequate. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. right? So, 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 so white bot. So let's say there's a white person listening to this, listening to us chop it up right now. The first thing that I would say is, I don't know what it's going to look like for 10 years. Here's what I do know. If you don't do nothing, I can pretty much tell you what it's going to look like for in 10 okay. years. I don't know what it's going to lo- look like if you start to begin to actually develop a culture with other white bodies. Mm-hmm. I, and let me be clear here. When I do my work and you know it in, in from reading my books, I don't do this kumbaya crap. I don't, I'm not, I'm not talking about how do we get black people in the room? How do we get white people in the room? And how do we begin to do that? No, I want white people to do their own work because here's the piece. The moment you bring a black ass guru into the room, Mm -hmm. you now can blow 400 years of charge through that black body and you never do your own work with other white bodies. So you're saying that he will, you're saying that he does all the work and you don't, Okay. He does all yeah. the work, right? Because because that's the setup. The black so 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 the in America the way that the structure works is that America has been taught we have as a we have been taught that the black body is where America does its dirt. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like, 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 so, 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 so when a black body comes into the room trying to teach you about race and or work with you around race, that 400 year old charge has to come in a room. Most of us don't build a container to deal with that mm-hmm. charge. That's why I tell white bodies, get in a room and work with that charge because it shows up among white bodies. I want y'all to temper and condition yourselves to work with that charge. Don't blow it. You don't need me to blow it through you. I want it to stay with you so you can use it. 
And over time, that that energy can be used and be metabolized as fuel for your freedom. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, it really is about bodies beginning to get together with other bodies. Mm-hmm. Right. And working these pieces, these energetic pieces over time, nibbling on mm-hmm. it. Right. So we can be condit- like, brother, let's say me and you was boys. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we like this. This wasn't the first time we met. We grew we grew up together. We boys. We hang out. You love me. I love right. you. We've been rocking all this different type of right. stuff. Right. And I call you one day and I say, bro, hey, what's happening? You said nothing, man. I said, man, I've been thinking about something. You said, what's that? I said, man, I'm thinking about running a marathon. Mm-hmm. You said, really? And I said, yeah, you said, dude. That's cool, man. You should run that. You you might say, I ain't running that shit with you. So if you calling me to run that, I'm not running, right? But but you but but you be supportive, right? And then you got the bright idea to ask me a question, right? And you said, Resma, when you thinking about running this marathon? And I said, bro, I'm thinking about running it tomorrow, right? You'd be like, you'd have another question right, that come right. up, right? He's like, have you been trained? No, man, no. No, I read some books on it. <laughs> right. I got you. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> you I see what you're saying. Yeah, you yeah, see yeah. what I mean? That ain't going right. to get it. You And each time you ask me a question and I say, no, I got it, you get more and more concerned about my yeah. health, right? You get more and more concerned about my well-being, right. right? And then I turn to you and I say, bruh, if you supported me, right, you would stop asking me these questions. If you If you love me, you right and that's actually not true because you love me you're asking me these right. questions if i say to you bruh i'm gonna do it anyway and i'm gonna run it in stilettos right. right now all of a sudden you're like really concerned why do we think the same thing is not applicable when we're talking about race right people could just say i'm an ally i'm this they can self-declare I read a book. I did. I watched. I watched thirteen. I I took a class with Eddie Cloud. I, right. I can do those pieces, but they're not conditioned to withstand the charge that's about to happen as they engage with race itself. Bravo! I can't. I can't. I can't even rebut. That. <laughs> that, that's. I mean, you, you're right. You know, you're right. It's. It's. It's really got to be in the grunt work. It's really got to be in the work. You got to do the work. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna expect me to do all the work and adjustments that I have to make as a person of color in this society, it's the least that I think anybody in society can do to do more than just read and to and to make adjustments. You got to get conditioned. I'm conditioned, every brother. Without ever knowing you, this 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 structure has conditioned you before you came out the womb. It conditioned your daddy. It conditioned the people around. Do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. It had to. But you get to just declare that you're conditioned. Right. <laughs> you get to just tell me that you're conditioned. Right. I That don't do nothing right. for me. Well, Resume, it's been an uh, unbelievable conversation. I'm so glad you decided to come on, man. And we definitely got to run it back in me season too, three and coming out next year. And uh, so what I want to say to our audience is please remember that whoever you are and wherever you are, that only through the obstacle do we find the way. Right. And we got it. You got to charge through those things. Don't listen to people who tell you to go around it or to not even try it. Right. So, Trenders, it's been a great episode. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can find us wherever podcasts are found. Please like, share, and subscribe. And remember, we're better when we trend together. Thank you so much for this conversation. And we will see you next time, guys.